Hey, welcome to the Business Brains and the Bottom Line podcast. This is Paul Delegro, your host today. And my guest is Paul Merrifield from uh, Dell Technologies. He's the Data Protection System Engineer, District Manager, the fancy title. And um, the subject for today is, you know, data protection, cyber resiliency. And as you know, Paul, this is the big topic, right? Every, every company is worried about how they protect their data. And I'll speak for myself personally, and I'll toss it over to you. You know, a lot of customers call us when they have problems, right? And, right. and, and they want us to remediate the problem, whether it be they got hacked or they can't back up their data or they had an outage, they got to restore their data. I and mean, there's a lot to it. And so, you know, you, you've been doing this a long time and a lot of respect for your knowledge in the industry. And so a couple things, what do you tell your customers, A, and B, if you had a clean piece of paper and a clean slate? what would you do? Like if you had a company that could start from scratch, which is not always the case, as you know, because they've got systems in place that you need to utilize. What do you tell them? Like, how do you start out doing this? Yeah, it's hard to, hard to bring the ship into dry dock and just start over again. Right. Right. You got this, but Hey, before I do that, I should say congrats on your podcast. Uh, Thanks for thinking of me as a guest. I'm honored to be on to do this. Thank you. Yeah. I Um, appreciate it. Yeah. It should be, we go back a little ways. Our careers can cross paths a few times. So today's the Paul show. (laughs) The Paul's the Paul and Paul. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. In fact, I think we're like right down the road from each other. Right. Yeah. Right around the corner. We've probably done this in person actually. (laughs) (laughs) We would have had to have the masks on. Yeah. That's true. Good point. Um, You know, yeah, you can't start over. It's impossible. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess if you're starting a new business, you could, but you probably can't afford to do what you need to do if you're starting a new business. Right. So everybody's starting from someplace. Um, I think the, you know, the, the thing that I would encourage folks to do is, you know, think about ransomware and, you know, you could, it's, it's easy. You could put it in the bucket of thinking like, Oh, that'll never happen to me. That's just like these things I read about in CNET or tech rags or whatever. But all you got to do is like, look around at, little podunk school districts on the, you know, on the border towns in Texas, or, you know, look at our states, the state of Texas has been, uh, you know, hacked several times, uh, DPS, different departments, uh, state of Louisiana has declared national you know, or state emergencies because of it. Uh, city of New Orleans got hit. So you hear a lot about it in municipalities because they, they, they have to report it. Um, you don't always hear about it in businesses uh, or you hear about it in arrears, you know, six, nine, 10 months after stuff happens. So, you know, it happens to the big companies. It happens to the small companies. Uh, it's not just, uh, you know, one national, one nation state acting against another one. I mean, these are yep. real deal things that happen. And if you're not really taking it seriously and keeping abreast of, of what these attacks are like and how to respond to them, then you're going to be in a world of hurts when you do get attacked, when you get hit. Yeah, so... What do you tell your customers? I mean, because uh, everyone thinks it's not going to happen to them. Sure. Yeah. Right. And then they panic and they call. And so what kind of guidance do you give your customers? Well, you know, I could give a lot of opinions, you know, Paul's opinions type stuff, but I really don't think this is like way too serious to just take one guy's opinions yep. on. Right. So I, you know, I first point people towards, uh, you know, what our government is saying, what do they need to do to protect themselves against ransomware? I point them to different standards bodies and what they say. Yeah. And, you know, you could go to the Homeland Security, you could go to uh, the National Institute for Cybersecurity. 
Um, there's even a new uh, organization called Sheltered Harbor, which is, is primarily around banking and financials. One common thread across all of those is they talk about keeping your backups in an offline state. Because right. one of the things that these cyber tools that get smart to do is they realize, hey, if we encrypt someone's data, well, the first thing they're going to try to just do is just restore from their backups, right? So the, what I've heard, the statistic is that, that the average, what they call dwell time for um, a piece of malware in a customer's environment is about 78 days. Yeah. And during that 78 days, what's it doing? Well, it's, it's propagating itself. It's yep. looking for, you know, other systems that can compromise uh, it acts a lot like a virus you get in your system, right? It's trying to get as, its hooks as deep in there as possible. Uh, and one of the things it's looking for is backups. It's looking to say, hey, can I find backup and recovery systems and let me cripple those before I then ask you for Bitcoin? That way you don't have any choice. Um, so keeping your, your backups in an offline state is, the, is like the number one recommendation for all those organizations I mentioned before. And that's, that's critical got to do that. So when you say in an offline state, if, if, if they're in your system monitoring, looking for backups and you are backing up, aren't they, aren't they accessing that data while they're backing it up? No. Well, I guess it really depends on, you know, the, how sophisticated some of these, these, um, you know, whatever attack you're, you're having. Um, but no, I mean, when it's the, the whole point of it being offline, or, or you might call it air-gapped, right? So you've got your production data and all the stuff going on there. And then you want to get a copy somewhere else. And so traditionally, people think of, of offline, air-gapped, whatever you want to call it, as like, I want to get data on tape. Because that's offline, right? It, if, I get, if my computer is hacked and I've got it on a tape, you know, nothing, you can't jump over the, the, the air to that tape, right? Uh, so that's what, you know, that's what people have done for a long time. To, to address that. Um, but they, may not, they weren't necessarily doing that for ransomware recoveries, right? They were doing that for, hey, in case my building catches on fire, I've got a copy and tape somewhere, yeah, right? I got a copy somewhere else. Right, right. But, you know, the world's moved on from that for like yeah. operational backups or recoveries. In fact, a lot of customers don't even have tape in their environment anymore, right? It's not even there. So, yes, okay, it's probably better than nothing. But we all know that recovering, you know, the petabytes and petabytes of data we built our businesses on today from tape is not just, just, just not feasible, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, people look to other, other ways to do it, right? Get the, get the data off to some other network. I mean, you could technically say, hey, let's, let's vault it into a cloud somewhere that's at least out of my environment. But if it's, you know, if it's connected, it's still, you know, it's still a point of compromise, right? The only right. real safe and secure way to do that is a system that's really built uh, with air gap in mind. Um, I'm not here to do a commercial for right. my yep. employer today. Right. Yep. But that, that is a big part of our message, right? It's like, Hey, there is a real difference in just sending data to a different location and sending it somewhere that is an Island that no one can get to. It's got a moat around the Island, right. With a drawbridge that you can control, but right. some data in, but you got some guards around that to keep, you know, bad guys from getting in and you seal it off and you keep it. in. Yeah. So at that point, you know, if you got to go back to a, a, a copy of that data, you know, it's clean, right? You know, you can restore from that, from that data. Yeah. I mean, so part of it is the air gap, right? You've got something offline. Um, the other part though, is once you've got data in there, you want to be able to analyze it because that's the only way you're going to know, because you're, you're going to, you know, let's just assume 
you've got a production network that's got, that's been compromised, but it's not been, you know, you don't have the skull and crossbones asking you for money yet. Right. Well, you're going to get copies of that ransomware into a backup, right? You're going to back that system up. Yep. It's going to have that, that in there. And you're going to, if you, if you're vaulting your data into an air gap vault, you're going to have that in there. Well, you want to be able to have software that can scan that and recognize it, but not allow it to propagate. And so that's the other, it's kind of the second piece to, okay, great. I got my data an offline vault, but now what? Do I know it's good? Well, no, you don't. You don't know it's any good unless you have something scanning it. So that's another thing we're a big proponent of. You need to have tools that are looking at that data, both scanning it the first time it sees the data, but then scan it like, you know, today and then yesterday, and then against the, the day before, against the week before. Right. So you can see kind of over time, hey, this data, maybe it looks like it's doing something really weird, right? The change is just not normal. And that's a way to identify, hey, something's under attack, right? So you want if to, you're, if you're analyzing that data and you're using deep forensics on, the, on your vault data, then yes, you can know, hey, I've got a clean copy. You know, boom, I, I know where all my good copies are. So if tomorrow I'm ransomed, I have a blueprint to where yeah. to restore from. That's what you really want. You want the yep. blueprint. So if you go into a situation where, you know, a customer's been breached, right? They've got ransomware. Mm -hmm. What do you do? I mean, I think yeah. I know the answer to that, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of people out there are kind of scratching their heads wondering, what's the next step? Yeah. Um, well, I've, I've unfortunately had to been, in, I've been involved in at least six of these responses with customers, you know, after the fact, right? And they all kind of went like this. Um, we get a frantic phone call or they, <laughs> they place a frantic phone call to our support group, right? Yeah. The support group doesn't quite understand what's going on. They understand, oh, they can't recover something, uh, but they don't, you know, they don't, the customers maybe not telling them, hey, we've been ransomed because maybe they're not authorized to, right? So they go through a lot of frustrating calls with support. They end up calling, you know, account teams to escalate. You know, eventually I get involved and I find yep. out that, oh, okay, a week ago, you guys were breached and you're just now getting around to the recovery part. You've kind of, you've taken stock of the damage. You feel like you've contained it. Um, they'll generally bring in, you know, people to help uh, with, with that triage. And then they start the recovery effort. So, you know, if, if customers haven't invested with, with Dell on the whole cyber strategy and they just have our, our recovery technologies in place, um, then where we usually get involved is, okay, we start assessing, hey, has, is, there, is the data in the, in the backup, is, is the backup system compromised? Okay, most, most oftentimes it's not, but it's, not, it's disconnected because the, the, the world it used to connect to is all encrypted. And so the customer has had to build this new environment you know, from scratch. And so the backup world doesn't know about any of that, that new, those new services. And we gotta like start connecting it like, okay, this server is now called, has a different name, has a different IP address. You know, it's over here on this network. So we have to go through and kind of reconnect some of the plumbing. Um, I kind of liken it to if, you've, if anyone has ever built a swimming pool, right, and they've got a sprinkler system, normally they trench through your yard and they cut your pipes. Yeah. Right? And so you <laughs> yeah. got to go through the exercise of like, and I'm, these guys, those sprinkler guys are magicians, man. I'm like, I'm like, you're never going to get this stuff reconnected, but they go out there and they find all the wires, they get them all reconnected, get all the, the plumbing reconnected and the system works again. Right. Yeah. 
that's kind of what happens on these cyber events is it's like, uh, you know, you might have, okay, my data's in my backup system, but everything else around it has been like, you know, they've, they've cut all the lines. Now I've got to go back through and figure out which lines go where and reconnect all the stuff. And that becomes real frustrating because, you know, all of the, all the things you might have done to performance tune your environment and all these kind of things, those are all gone now. Yeah. You got to kind of figure those all out again so you can get things going. And man, those, those, those customers are under such duress when that happens. They're like, you know, well, that, and the, you know, the, the famous age old question is, you know, when you ask a, a, a CISO or something like that, a director of IT, what keeps you up at night? It, the classic is, you know, us going down, getting breached. I mean, they, 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 and you're right. We get calls, frantic calls, uh, you yeah. know, not any names, but uh, we get some frantic calls too. And we mm -hmm. just try the best you can to remediate. Yeah, it, it'll really keep you up at night. And, um, you know, the other thing that I have learned, I guess you asked me, like, what would you advise people to do, right? Um, I've seen two different recoveries. I've seen a really bad one where it was just, man, we just, it was just such, such difficulty in getting, you know, getting all that plumbing reconnected and then getting the right systems restored, you know, getting the kind of performance that we were expecting and this and that. Then I've been in scenarios where the customer called and they were almost finished. They just needed a few final things done. Like they never even, they never even called us. Yeah. So they had the tools in place. Well, you know, when I asked myself, like, what, like, I was like, you know, I want to be honest with you. Like I've talked to folks before and I'm glad you guys recovered, but what was the secret? What did you guys do so differently? And he says, well, he says, you know, the key is I've been through this before, right? I've, I've, we've done this a time or two at other companies this individual had worked for. But he said, you know, there's, there's easy ways to choose to back your systems up and then there's the right ways. And he said, you know, a lot of people will choose like the simplest thing and they'll just do that for every system. And he says, that's the, that's the most wrong thing you can do. Operationally, yeah, it's easy. I do the same thing for all my systems, right? And if it works, you get my backups. Occasionally I get a recovery. Things are okay. But when the entire environment is down, you got to restore the whole thing. He's like, you know, certain kinds of systems benefit from a, you know, the recovery of those systems right. is better if you do, if you were, have, if you were to back them up a different way. Right. So for example, he was telling me, Hey, all my big file servers, you know, they're on virtual machines but I don't just take an image backup of them. I actually have an agent in there that backs up the file system because he said, Hey, when I restore the file system directly, that's much faster than restoring a giant virtual machine. image." Right. Right. So it's like, but for them all, you know, lots of application servers, other things, the more reasonable size. Yeah. I do images all day long. Those are easy to recover from. It's like, you know, you got to really think about your workloads and think about, Hey, I've got three or four ways I could back them up. What's that going to be like in a recovery? You know, is it going to be faster this way or that way? Yeah, that's, so, that's classic too, Paul, is uh, when you ask customers about their, you know, backup strategy, they go, oh, I back up my data. Mm -hmm. Like, well, have you ever tried to restore it? Right. Well, right. not really. So that, that's the classic again when, you know, that you got you got to, and that's another thing, a recommendation we make with our customers. You've got to on a regular basis, you know, restore that data just to, you just do. to make sure that everything, whether it be quarterly, depending on the size of your company and requirements that the company has mm -hmm. to make sure that it can be restored. Yeah, no, I, you know, I tell my kids they're when they get frustrated at sport, you know, they're not good at it. It's like, Hey, how do you get good at something? You practice. Yeah. You practice like crazy, right? You don't, you're not just good at it because you like it. Um, 
And that's the same thing with, with recovering from a disaster, recovering from a cyber breach, whatever. You have to practice it, right? And if yeah. you don't, then you, and, and you're just, you know, you're like, uh, we're going to, you know, blame the vendor when stuff goes wrong. Well, great. You're, <laughs> you're going to blame them, but you're still going to not have your business up and running, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's a classic too, right? Everyone, everyone's got to point a finger at somebody. Right. And I get it. Right. I mean, they're, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to take the blame, but I also want to just put that aside. Let's just get you up and running. Yeah. And then we'll, uh, you know, we'll figure out, you know, who, who we're mad at after all that's over with. Yeah. Nice. So again, starting from a clean slate, which never happens. Sure. I mean, what, to, and again, we're not talking products here and I, I get that. So if you had, if you had a, uh, a clean piece of paper and you could start, what would you be the recommendation in that situation? Yeah, I would, um, I would take a look at a couple of frameworks. Like I'd look at the NIST framework because it kind of goes through, it sort of, it divides the, um, the cyber resiliency spectrum into several layers, right? And so a lot of the first layers are about, you know, just good hygiene, good practices as you're building apps and, building infrastructure and the last pillars about recovery. So my advice would be, look, you know, you need an investment in, in tools at each stage of the process. Right. Um, so you need your upstream tools, your monitoring tools. Um, uh, you know, depending on your, your business, you might contract that from someone or you might invest in it for, on yourself. You need to think about recovery in the case that all those things fail you. Because those they might right you might there may be something so sophisticated that it slips through, and you need you need to go all the way to zero to restore from. Um, and I would also you know I, I think I think people are getting this more these days as they build new applications. But you can't just think about the app that you're building and what's going to do. You have to think about all of the things it needs, all the care. Just like you know, I bought a house, but you know there's a lot of things this house needs besides just buying the house. Right. Right. Um, you know, electricity, water, furniture, you know, yard maintenance, uh, pest control, all these things, right. Things you don't want to pay for, but you got to do it. Right. Um, so when you're building an app, you got to think of its security, um, you know, it's data protection, um, you know, life cycle it, who's going to own it, who's going to maintain it. You got to think about all those things sort of as one package as you deploy it. So you got to build those things into your application process. And I think, as we kind of move towards like, you know, CI, CD processes of building apps and really, you know, cloud is, has probably made that easier for people to do uh, just because the, the, the plethora of, of available resources. I think that's really where um, resiliency comes in is really thinking about it as you're building an app. Like, how am I going to recover it, you know, from all the scenarios that might exist? Cool. And one thing I've, I've noticed too out there, Paul, you know, everyone claims that they've got the greatest solution. But what I'm finding is you, you need to take a layered approach to this, correct? In other words, there's not one solution that's going to do everything. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And you're right. so to me, if you have two or three layers, like you had mentioned, if one misses it, hopefully another layer will catch it. True. And um, this, this becomes kind of hard to quantify, but what, um, what I see customers, this, the, the ones who are really thinking about this from a business standpoint when they make an investment in cyber resiliency, no matter whether they're doing it in, in production tools or the recovery you know, part, um, they're thinking about how does this, does this materially increase my security posture? 
right? Because you could, you could change something. Like you could say, you know, every vendor has something that they market for ransomware, whether it's a backup vendor or anybody, right? They, may, they market something around ransomware. But you have to think about, okay, does, what that, does that thing materially improve my ability to recover versus another investment? Right. You know, and a lot of times, if they don't have all the right upstream tools, well, then just, just buying something that says it protects against ransomware probably doesn't help. Yeah, right? no, I'd agree. Um, so you have to really make sure the investments you're making um, really materially matter to the business. And they aren't just little, hey, I'm making myself feel good because it says it's ransomware and I like, you know, the vendor. So I'm going to buy that tool. Sure. Well, I think uh, another thing we try to do is, is when we have customers that have problems, we try to look at the different solutions that are out there and do POCs where, mm -hmm. okay, let's run it in your system for a week, two weeks, whatever. And normally you'll see the proof in the pudding is it'll start catching things that they didn't catch before. Yeah. You know, that's easier to do with the upstream tools. Yep. Harder to do with kind of the recovery tools because you're, yeah, no, you're probably not going to cyber attack yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see how it works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Um, you know, the other thing is, is, uh, is referencing and, and that's actually a, for, at least for, uh, for the, the part that I play in day to day, which is the recovery side of it. Um, it's hard to get customers to reference for it because a lot of folks, they don't part of the system. Is it being kind of anonymous and hidden? Yeah. And so everyone's a little gun shy about telling everybody and telling the world what they do behind the scenes. Uh, but slowly, slowly, but surely, we're beginning to get customers that uh, will talk. Um, we, we had a, a fairly large K through 12 event where one of our customers actually did the entire presentation for us and explained what they did, why they did it, their experience. Uh, and it was just, uh, it was really powerful. cool. Yeah. It was really cool to see really powerful. Um, uh, and, you know, I just, at the end of the day, I, I don't want to see anybody get ransomed, right? Whether they're using yeah. my stuff or somebody else's stuff. It's just, it's bad. You know, if my city gets hacked and it's shut down, it's just taxpayer money. It's going to eventually trickle down to me, right? So yeah, I mean, we're all paying for it somewhere. We are all paying for just it. Just like so. all, this, all this money that the government's giving out right now. Oh. You know, I don't know if we're going to be pay, paying it back, but I definitely know my kids will be. Someone's going to pay it back. You Someone's pay paying it back. It back. Yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah. you know. And like you said, and the cost of doing business goes up with the, with these with these attacks and uh, with cyber resiliency. And again, someone's got to pay for it. It's nothing's free. Sure, sure. You know, yeah. Um, you know, and it's what's what's interesting is to think about. Um, I'll, I'll give the listeners here or the the watchers. Are they call watchers or listeners here. It's the viewers, viewers. There we viewers. go. The viewers. Um, there's a really cool book called Sandworm. That's uh, that's out. That's on this topic, and it kind of reads a little bit like a, a little bit like a cyber espionage spy type novel. But it kind of goes through the whole history of where all of these cyber tools came from. Unfortunately, they came from the NSA, which is sort of <laughs> nice, sort of unfortunate. But yeah. uh, you know, those kind of got out there, and uh, you know, we use them. Other people have been using them. Um, so it's it's an interesting read. It'll give you a really good and interesting, fun uh, sort of primer on what that world is like and what we're dealing with right now. I mean, heck, you've heard of as a service. They have, there's ransomware as a service these days. Like you can go in the, in the dark web and you can contract someone to target somebody, handle the payment and all kinds of stuff like that. 
unbelievable. I mean, I hear, I hear that. Yeah, I mean, it's, I just would never do that, right? Of course, yeah, none of us would. And unfortunately, there's a lot of lot of bad people out there, and uh, you know, guys like me and you who just try to get up every day and go to work and you know, support our families. There's a lot of nefarious folks out there trying to make a quick buck, and uh, they seem to be doing a good job at it, actually. Yeah, they're making the, they're they're definitely creating some some havoc and chaos out there. That's for sure. Yeah, no question. So, so Paul, uh, to get off topic here, are you in the new house yet? I am in the new house, which uh, we we moved in like right as the uh, COVID lockdowns were starting. So it was kind of scary. We were yeah, uh, when the kids are all coming home and staying home at school from school. And, oh my gosh, it was. Uh, I mean, it's kind of been a blessing to be somewhere new and different during all this. Versus yeah. you know, we were in a a really small rental house while we're waiting for this one to be done. Yeah. That would, that would have been bad to be stuck yeah. there, but so uh, we were, we were in a weird, we were in a weird spot. We didn't know if we were going to have some place to go because the, we had, we had <laughs> let go of that place. And this place was kind of like, well, it's not quite done. Hey, there's a lot of bridges in Dallas. <laughs> yeah. We, we had a couple of tents. So yeah, we were, a couple we of tents, ready. a foam pad and you're good to go. Yeah. We were ready Teach your kids a lesson, right? <laughs> yeah. Something so. like that. Well, hey, Paul, I appreciate you coming on. Anything else you'd like to add? I mean, uh, I think we covered a pretty good uh, range of topics here today. Uh, um, anything else? You know, all, all I would say is um, my social media platform of preference is LinkedIn. So you can find me at Paul Merrifield on uh, LinkedIn. Um, if you have any questions or want to chat privately, I'm happy to do so. And I really appreciate you having me on today, Paul. Yeah, for all the folks out there that are listening, I would highly recommend that Paul to me is one of the uh, – one of the tops in the industry. We worked together at a, at a previous company. That's how we first got to know each other. I have a lot of respect for him and his knowledge. So yeah, anyone out there needs some uh, good advice on cyber resiliency, uh, please uh, reach out to him. And so uh, that being said, that's a wrap from Business Brains on the Bottom Line. This is Paul E.D., Paul Delegros, signing off. <laughs>